0: Over 130 residential schools operated in Canada. The first federal residential school began around 1883, the last closed in 1996. We Stand Together invites Indian residential school and day school survivors, 60 scoop and intergenerational survivors to share their truth. This project is an opportunity for those on their journeys of healing to share their experiences and perspectives so all can learn about the effects of residential and day schools and the challenges indigenous communities still face. I'm
1: Kelly Houle, I'm Chase Barrett, born in Winnipeg in nineteen sixty seven, and um, my family's from Sandy Bay First Nations. I've been living in Winnipeg most of my life.
0: This initiative is a platform for Indigenous peoples to share their truths about their experiences of residential school, day school, uh, the 60s scoops, and someone uh, who is an intergenerational survivor, to talk about their experiences and their thoughts on these institutions. So, um, at this point, I leave the the floor open to you to share what you feel is important. Uh, Feel free to pause if you need to, to take a break. Uh, As well as if you don't feel comfortable talking about a personal experience, you can talk about these topics More broadly.
1: This is why I'm here at Aurora Recovery Center because I'm here to heal and quit covering my feelings and quit covering What had happened to me in residential school. That was my this is my third try already at, at a recovery center or you call it, whatever you may call it. And this is my third try. Uh, try not to cover it with alcohol and drugs, That I've been doing it for the past 50 years. Uh, I'd rather just quit it all and and keep living because the way I'm doing it now, I'm falling apart because I'm diabetic and I'm fighting with my diabetes, and I had a mild stroke, and now I have rheumatoid arthritis, and high blood pressure. I'm trying to keep living on and tell my stories and help other trans and two-spirit people to live on, not cover it up with alcohol and drugs so we can live longer and carry our
0: stories. Why don't you share a little bit about your thoughts on these institutions and the impacts they have had on Indigenous peoples, uh, particularly from a trans and two spirit perspective. Uh, you mentioned that you're struggling, and now you're trying to find the help you need in order to continue to share your story. Well,
1: first of all, start off. When I remember everything. The only way I can get rid of it and hide it was all the time with with alcohol and drugs. But you can't do that because that's how people die. They die from the alcohol, the drugs, and that's all we were taught. What happened to me in residential, I like to share because there's no help for us. Us disappear people, they don't want to hear us. There's no one out there that, that will talk to us. They'll listen to us and help us heal. So we got to do it ourselves. That's why I'm out here. They have so much traditional teachings out here that I did so much research. And I finally got in here and I'm so happy. I got another chance in life here. When I'm done here, I want to help others. What I went through and what everyone's going through all trans two-spirit people should tell their stories and share in a circle, all of us share together. And we don't have that anywhere. That's what I'm here to to heal myself and go back out there and start something like a a circle. And so we can share what's been hurting us, what's been What we've been holding in, can't hold it in because you just get more and more sick. What I remember is, as a child, being taken from my grandma's, I was so scared. I don't remember being in class, it's just like section after section. And I remember laying down and it was somebody touching me in the dark, and I reached over, and there was a priest, and he was touching me down there, and he's touching himself, and then he took me downstairs, which is usually by the washrooms, their offices, so we usually we're told not to go down to the washroom by yourselves because you get grabbed from one of the one of the pre- preachers. When uh, I've seen many kids go missing, when they go down there and they never come back up. Well, that's what I carry. I'm the lucky one that made it back upstairs. And what he did to me down there was, if I wanted candy, and he sat down and I was standing up. And he put candy on his lap. He goes grabbed it. And then he kept saying, kept putting more on his lap towards his crotch. And first us kids way back we didn't have candy. I kept grabbing the candy and then it got up to his his penis and then he got me to start touching it. And I love the candy, of course. and I forgot about the candy in my mouth. and then um, after touching him, and then I kept the candy in my mouth, like the, it was it was gum. I was chewing the gum in class. I remember the nuns. they go, what's that in your, in your mouth?" And then I got, I got hit with a big ruler in the back. They go spit it out. So I spit out on her hand, called me a dirty little Indian, and she was rolled this up into a ball. And she goes, put this on your nose. And then she goes, you go stand in the corner. And I tried to ask her why. She will just do it. And then she gave me another slap with a ruler in the back of the head. And I'm crying, so quit crying. And that's all I kept hearing. And, and then she would grab me by the ears, and yank me up, put me in the corner. You stay there all day, and don't even look look at anyone. Don't look away from that corner. So I stood in that corner right from morning till the end of cl- um, classes were over. And after that, just sent to bed with, with no supper and you're monitored after that constantly and i've seen many kids go through what i went through many of them are screaming downstairs getting uh, sexually abused and many of them disappearing i haven't seen i still don't remember their names kids i used to play with outside So I was in there for almost a year. I remember that. And then my mom took off to Winnipeg. Then she found a place in Winnipeg. I think I was already six years old. I was so traumatized. I don't remember half of the school year I was in there. I remember being taken back to my grandma's from my uncle. I was so traumatized that I, I shit myself. The nuns said, you dirty, dirty. And like I, I forget they were saying to me, and they're going, take this filthy child home. And then I remember I was being driven home in my uncle's car, sitting on paper and and the smell. and crying, and I got to my grandma's, and my grandma remember giving me a bath and to get ready if you're going to leave. I guess my mom sent for us one by one to go live with her and want And then I seen the city lights when I was in the Greyhound bus. I go, oh my gosh, I see those lights. I've never seen lights like that ever. And then we got into the city. I go, oh my god! And then my uncle took me to my mom's house. I go to that house. She goes, yeah. So I settled in for, until school was coming up. And then I remember uh, I think I was in kindergarten or something, and I was full of bugs. Bugs in my hair, mice. I was enrolled in school over there. My first um, kindergarten school was King Edward High School. I mean, King Edward School. It was an old, old school. I don't know how many stories it was. It was a very old school, but now it's demolished it down to one floor. So that was my first experience of school there was, I was bent. They treated me the same as residential there. they go, you, you little Indian, you sit in the back. Us Indian kids, we always put in the back of a class. And I remember that I'm looking down, I couldn't even look at it. at any other kids. And by looking down at my paper coloring, bugs would fall in my hair. That's how lousy we were. And I was started crying because the way they were treating us little Indian kids, little dirty kids, the white kids would be calling us dirty kids, dirty Indian kids. And I cried and I cried and school was over and we got to we just lived across the street on Suffolk Avenue. And as soon as I went home I started crying to my mom. I go, I'm not going back there. I go it's just like residential. She goes, you fucking go back there. I'm going to fucking send you back where you came from. I had to go back. i have been fighting right from kindergarten, right through all of the schools in Winnipeg. I'd been fighting for my whole life because I was different. I was trans. I don't know what I was, but I don't know. I had to keep exploring and keep fighting. Fighting fighting through the system, and there was uh, nothing after that. My next school was William White. Same shit went through being beaten up from students and fighting for my life, of course. And it happened right through elementary, right through high school. And I met finally met someone like me who was a neighbor of ours. Her name was nora we became good friends because he was, was my neighbor and then and this person always had candy i go, Where are you getting all this and he goes do you want some too i go yeah so she introduced me it was the first person that introduced me into the sex trade at 11 years old all we had to do is this guy that drove around with a bike i mean a a, a car we just had to sit on his lap and drive his car. And we always went over railway tracks. I could feel his penis when we sat on, on his lap. And I guess that's what his thing was. Five dollars was a lot way back. So we had, I always had candy and candy. And I had a lot of friends and my mom started catching on. Where in the hell are you getting all this candy? And, I think with my friend and then I wanted to ask um, my friend's mother. I can hear him getting a licking, um, being called a fag and, and then ever since that, all that happened to me and him or her. Um, most of our lives after that, it was just nothing but fags, 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 yeah. fags, <gasps> right through high school. I just got used to it. I go, I don't care, call me a fake, call me a fake. In high school, I couldn't even use um, the washrooms or get beaten up in the washroom. I couldn't even join the gym because I wouldn't be I wouldn't be um picked for any any um uh, what do you call it, to join them in any any game. So I would put aside and I couldn't go in the dressing rooms because I was a fag. So most of my life was called a fag. High school came and we moved to Fort Rouge other elementary school. We went to on Rathgar and that's the last elementary I finished and then uh, I graduated to grade seven my first high school was uh, Churchill High School. I was only in there for six months, and that was even worse. And being called out and and almost being sexually molested from the from our, one of the teachers to stay back. Uh, I need to talk to you. And being taken into a locker room and and what do you like to do? I go. What do you mean? Do you like to play with things? I go, like, what? He talks about his penis. And I go, yeah. He goes, uh, he goes, I can, I can give you a, give you a passing grade for doing something with him. So I did. I played with his penis. He goes, taste it. And I said, I did. So I think I was like 15 already. And after that, uh, I found out about R.B. Russell. I can move from grade 7 to grade 9 over there at the age of 16. I just turned 16 after that. I took that choice, get away from there, from that teacher. I didn't want to say nothing because it would be my fault all the time. Every time something that happened to me, it would always... My fault. Most of my life, it was always my fault, my fault, my fault. So that's why I like to just share this, and I hope most of us come up and talk about it. You can't hold all this shit in. It destroys us. And there's so many, so much friends that committed suicide because of this bullshit. And then I started after I'd be wrestling. That's where I found all my good friends. We all rounded up at the legislative building. That's where we all hung around. We all found each other. It was the best people that I ever found. I found myself. I loved the money. And I wasn't taught love. You know, I thought love was the men what they were doing to me. Like, okay, they love me. They're giving me money. They give me a place to sleep, but I have to do things. This is like residential to course down. They weren't teaching us nothing. Nothing but
0: misery. Just a cycle of abuse and dehumanization.
1: And that's all they taught us? Taking away from, from family, from siblings. But now, there's only three, there was just three of us stayed together. My sister trans herself, my baby sisters um, still loves me because of who I am and accepted me. My brother didn't accept me, my older sister didn't accept me. I already lost one, one baby sister to diabetes. I lost my dad, I lost my mom. I had to survive on my own. I was out the door at 16 because I wouldn't want to go back to school because that's all that happened was residential shit. I go, residential, residential. It all went through my mind all the time. So I just kept going back into the sex trade. That's all I knew was I'm being loved. And that's what love was being taught from from the right from the priest, right from the teachers, right oh that was the whole cycle of it from the damn residential.
0: Well Kelly, I I just wanna let you know you are heard. Your story is powerful and we appreciate you sharing it with us for a lot of people, you know, with the unmarked graves out in Kamloops. This is the first reality that many newcomers and immigrants are hearing about the impacts of residential school. And for yourself, going through it as an indigenous person, but also someone who is trans and two-spirited, the impact that has of people who dehumanized you, did not accept you, did not provide you with love. And we're seeing those effects right now in the world. In Manitoba, the refusal to search the, la- um, the landfills for so long. So I just wanted to say thank you for sharing your story. It is incredibly painful and incredibly hard to hear. But for myself and others, we need to hear that these experiences are real. They're not just something written in a book. They're things that people who are still alive today are going through.
1: There's just a few of us left. And you know who you know her. She's still alive with me, Gail Pruden. Me and her, we've been out there. We survived. And me and her are still fighting for our lives.
0: When you mention her, I I go, oh my. At this point, um, there's only a few minutes left in the call, so once again, thank you, we appreciate you. You are heard, and none of these things that happen to you are your fault. These are the effects of institutions and people who just have hate inside of their hearts. And at this time, I just like to, you're working to heal yourself, you're looking, to build a community, to provide those spaces for trans and two-spirited folks to talk, to get that pain out, to talk so it doesn't eat away at them. What role do individuals like myself or newcomers who are coming to Canada and learning about these stories, what role do we have as allies and advocates, just in in your opinion?
1: To help others stop The suicide, talk about it. Let's help each other. Like, that's the only way we can live on is talk about it, heal together, and support each other. Us trans two-spirit people need to be heard amongst each other and heal together. That's why I'm here at Aurora Treatment Center. This is my third try, and I'm going to fight my hardest and I'm here for a good 45 days. I'm not done. I'm going to keep doing my work. I I had my good jobs in Winnipeg. I work for Mount Carmel. I work for Sage House. I work for Sunshine House. I work for Nine Circles. I work for Manitoba High Reduction. Oh, I've done so much work. I was Grand Marshal for for Pride. I'm the founder of the Two-Spear Pow wow in at prime. So I've done so much work and my work's not done.
0: You Multicultural is located on Treaty One territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota and Dene peoples, and the national homeland of the Red River Metis. With You Multicultural, I'm Ryan Funk.